To get rid of those pesky ads, request stories, listen to unlisted and bonus episodes, and to chat with the gang, support us by clicking the description link. Can I shout some people out? Yeah, now? go ahead. I won't mess with you. Okay, them. okay. Uh, okay. So let's see. We have Stephanie as a small taco, Amanda L, Taco Supremo, Gin Juiced, a small taco, Kyle, Taco Supremo, Austin, small taco, Ebeth Plus, Small Taco, Claudia, Small Taco, Otis, Taco Supremo, Selena, Taco Supremo, and Brie, Taco Supremo. Jesus freak, that was like seven or eight. I know. It, this is this is probably like three three weeks worth of uh, of joiners. So um, I know this is great. And Summer, I need to double check to make sure I have everything for your special request. I, I'm like 99% sure I do um, because I it hopefully, it, depending on if we're doing two parts or what have you for, for today, um, I have one ahead of you. Um, and so we'll do a, a surprise shot, but hopefully we can get you in there. Yeah. Also, Bree, I got your message and all you guys that sent it on Discord about uh, whatever you guys want as far as prizes. I got all those. Like she said, we're going to do that tomorrow. But man, it feels so good to be back. Feel a little, a little sick. I'm not. Not me, lie. man. I feel better. You're a hundred percent. I mean, you can hear it in my voice, can't you? Yeah. Yeah, I still sound nasally. But I think I'm at like ninety six percent. Right. Like I felt like total shit and now I feel pretty, pretty good. Last but, night was the first night I did not need Afrin, like nose spray to sleep. And I had been using it for over a week and I know that that's not good for your nose, but I just couldn't. I was just so congested before falling asleep every night. All right. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Talk More Me podcast. My name is John. I'm sitting here with Jen and Nicole. We put out episodes all freaking week long and this week's going to be no different. However, this story right here is going to be a multiple parter. So if you're one of those people that like to wait for all the parts, you may not want to start it yet, even though they're they can stand alone. Every episode I'm going to put out can stand alone. And that's about all I got. Anyone that joins the Supremo from now on gets a cool Ed Gein things and Ed Gein uh, merchandise until we run out. And what else is about it? We do have a surprise shot. All right. For well. Sammy, who do you want to tell a little bit about Sammy? And he did some audio stuff for you. Oh, yeah. So what up, Sammy? What's up? Yeah. What's up? Yeah. So he made uh, he made some intros for us. But, you know me, I'm I'm not going to get rid of my my uh your original my original but yeah they're really good i think i i sent them to you guys didn't i no uh -uh. no actually i don't know if i no this is I the first remember. time i'm hearing of it i told you about no, this. this was a while ago oh yeah this was a while ago he told you it was just a while ago how about on the next episode i'll play them and then we can all hear them together okay cool yeah so this is his shot yes right, uh nice. he didn't request anything specific so i picked this one out for him sweet here's for sammy surprise shots surprise shots we don't know what they are because they're a surprise. You're going to like this one. Who? Which one of us? All of us. Cheers. This is one of my favorites. Cheers to you, Sammy. Cheers, Sammy. Was that Disarona? It was. Oh, that's really nice. All right. Who has been here or who knows where this is? The address is 10050 Cielo Drive or CeeLo, like CeeLo Green, I guess. Cielo. Cielo Drive. This is a very famous location, let's mm -hmm. just say. Very famous location. Is this a very famous story? Um, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Uh, you may have heard of it. 
Okay. But anyway, this is the home now. This isn't the home that we're going to. It is just the new built home on the same site. The the actual home that we're going to be going in tonight, where I'm starting the story from, was torn down in 1993. Mm. So, but this house right here, 1005 Cielo Drive, the original, like I said, torn down in 1993, first built by Michelle Morgan, which is a... Michelle Morgan is a famous French actress who came to Hollywood in 1940. And now this iconic house was the history was full of history for movie stars and magazine stories and all the stars that live there. So this is the house right here. It almost looks like a like a mountain home, mm. actually, than a Hollywood Hills style. Yes. Yeah. So very rich socialite actress. She builds this house. Oh, dude, I definitely want a photo like that. An oil painting? Yeah, holy You'd shit. You'd have to sit for an oil painting. I don't care, man. This is awesome. So this is the house. This I a- want a photo like the last one where she's falling in money. Yeah, me too. Here's a trivia question for you guys. And we're going to start the story of this house. All right. Okay. What happened at this house is going to be pretty stressful getting through what happened to this house. We're actually doing this whole story, this whole first episode and the second episode. We're going to be in this house. All right. We're going to break it down pretty much. Break down the house like they did in 1993. Yeah. But real quick. Break it down the house. You know what song I'm thinking about? Uh, That's exactly what I was thinking. Real quick trivia question. The home now is owned by Jeff Franklin, who is known for his hit TV show, Blank Blank. And the blanks you fill in. It's, the show's not called Blank Blank, but you've, you're supposed to say, okay. What is his role? Is he an actor, producer, writer, he, no, director? He is, he is the, the guy that came up with the idea. And it was his show. is like his baby kind of thing. Mm. But he owns the house now. The, the new behemoth the new house, house that's there, which is... It's a lot larger than the original house by by many means. And in fact, let's go back because I want to show you this. This is really cool. You look at this one more time, this house. Mm-hmm. There's uh, you can actually see they're doing construction up here for whatever the fuck this is going to be. Look at this shit. Someone with way too much motherfucking money overlooking this famous house. I mean, can you imagine what this shit's going to be? No. This is going to be like, I don't know, probably like John Perry is going to live there or something. <laughs> or Matthew Perry. <laughs> he's an actor i should he call is. that motherfucker yeah. be like yo dude we're probably related he's from canada uh, he is just he? came out with a book did he yeah. is it good yeah and i don't on know a biography he's doing a whole bunch of stuff on tv right now about his love book some friends oh. did love me some friends yeah mm-hmm. this story right here i want to tell you no one else has told it like i'm going to tell it because i have a very rare book that's not in print and has not been in print for 30 years Ooh. and we're using since they tore down the house we're that's using 30 years ago that's scary man and the book that we're using is and i haven't read any other ones yet but i'm telling you it's going to be a whole new perspective but anyway we're starting tonight at that home we're starting august 8th 1969 Mm. we're talking about love this story we're talking about the the most disgusting vile just hateful senseless people on planet earth fucking hippies <laughs> oh, I didn't know we were talking about a generalized group. <laughs> I thought we were talking about a crime. No, we're talking about fucking flower children, hippies. <laughs> Where have all the flowers gone? This is a great story. You guys are going to love it. All right, let's get started. That home is now owned by Jeff Franklin, the founder or the the guy who created Full House. Oh. Tonight we're going to August eighth, nineteen sixty nine. We're actually going to that same house. 
and I'm going to show you all kinds of photos of the house back then. For instance, this is one right here. And if you want to see these photos, and if you're not watching this now, obviously, hit that uh, link below. And these are all going to be blog posts for your reading pleasure. So this is the house. This is a lot smaller. It looks different than the pictures from the French actress. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. It's a lot smaller in it than that behemoth that was there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you need like five cleaners at a time to... No shit, man. Holy fuck. When do we get there, dude? We've been doing this shit for five fucking years. We're still at the bottom. I think we're below I where we started. I still can't afford one cleaning lady. <laughs> I can't afford to think about how much it would cost to have a cleaning lady. I think we're actually worse off than when we started. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. Sounds about right. I could probably buy like a thing of ice today, but not anything else for the rest of the week. So, <clears throat> All right, let's do it. August 8th, 1969. This is late at night. Don't know the exact time that these four individuals decided to get in this car. For this story, I'm not going to try to bog us down with names. Names will pop up, obviously, but just know that there are four individuals that want to carry out a specific crime. Hmm. Now, it's not that I don't want to reveal the names, but I think it's just easier if we just start knowing that four individuals, one male and three females. And then as we get through the story, you'll start to, to see the names pop up. Also in the home as well, there are several people in the house. August 8th, 1969, driving to this home on Cielo drive was a yellow and white Ford. This car had no back seat, just a floorboard in the back. And there were four people packed in it. I'll go ahead and give you the first names. Like I said, don't worry about the names. Just know that there's three females, one male in this car. Tex is the male. Susan, which is a female, which Nicole is going to be reading a lot of her testimony for this story. Also, Katie and Linda, one male, three females. They're all wearing dark clothing. They like to call this them wearing dark clothing. They're creepy crawling outfits. So mm. this this group, when they go do crimes, they wear these really dark clothes and basically is just how you think about it they can creep up to some like let's say if they're just going to steal someone's money out of their glove box they can creep up in the middle of the night and no one's going to see them because they're dark clothes and creepy crawly get and get the money that's why they call it creepy crawling hmm. in the back of the car was a rope and bolt cutters each person had their own duffel bag with a change of clothes in each duffel bag. The male Tex had a gun. It was a, a pistol, a small caliber pistol, and he's the only one with a gun. He also had a very large buck knife. All three females have knives. They're not very sharp, as you'll see here in a second, which is not a good thing. The sharper they are, the faster they kill, and the people that get killed in this house do not get killed in a very in a very fast form if you will mm. so the knives are kind of dull but they all have these buck knives that's their main weapons they park the car down the street they go up and walk up to the gate which was electric and this is like i said a, a great photo so you know exactly where we're at right here so they park down the street where you can't see their car but before they get to the driveway there is a a fence it's an electric gate where someone can press a button and I, even though this is 1969 they still had that technology you press a button and the gate opens 
Hmm. I mean, I know that sounds crazy. Ah. Uh, <laughs> know what I was thinking about the other day? Hmm. I'm still not doing stairs yet because of my boot and I don't want to like fall because I feel like that would happen. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So at work, I went to use the elevator and I was going down and I was like, is this thing even moving? But then it jolted and I was like, and then Jen got stuck in the elevator. <laughs> I've been stuck in an elevator before. You, you know that. Uh, but like an elevator is essentially a steel box. So like if it were to fall, like would someone, the chances of actually dying in an elevator accident, like are they? All you gotta do is jump before it hits the ground. <laughs> Isn't that what people say? You just jump up right I don't know. the ground. I mean, no, I, I feel think... like if it was going down, it wouldn't that. Yeah, you can't jump. You're pinned to the floor. I think but it people... depends upon the what the speed at which it's falling. Like free fall speed. I... That's what it is. Free fall. Besides the friction of the cables and stuff but there's there is friction there obviously but yeah basically free fall i mean and once it hits that certain terminal velocity obviously but people yeah, always say know. that just jump but you can't you're pinned you're to the pinned ground because the, yeah. yeah the best thing to do if you're ever in an elevator this is what you do and this happened to me before and and i survived so you know take my word for it or not i think it was like the 12th floor and i, I got in and the cable snapped we were free falling down and beside me was this uh elderly lady so i basically just pushed her on the ground and, and laid on top of her and and she took the force and i, I i'm here so <laughs> she actually exploded <laughs> I don't even know how to begin to unpack what it was that you just said. Like, was any of that real? Like, were you ever... No, that wasn't fucking real. Were you ever in an elevator that was even stuck in your life before? I jumped on her like a trampoline, and she exploded. Oh. And I was fine. <laughs> they walk up to this front gate. Now, it, it's pretty dark outside. I mean, you saw the house even today. It, it's up on a hill by itself. And yeah, people had their lights on or whatever, but the 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 surrounding hills, the Hollywood Hills, are covering everyone's lights. You know what I'm saying? They do have lights on, but it's not it's not like super bright. So they are really stealthy. They they walk up the the Cielo Drive, and they're kind of over to the side. They see the electric fence, and they know they can't jump over that. So they go around to the uh, just the regular fence area and. Susan, one of the the girl you're going to be reading from, she goes first. She was first to go over. She takes her duffel bag filled with clothes, throws it over. It's about six feet and lands on the other side. She puts her knife in her mouth. She climbs over. At one point, she talks about she gets her pants stuck, her parachute pants, I guess. Like MC Hammer pants? (laughs) Yeah, her pants get stuck, so she has to wrestle with it. She goes over. The rest follow. Like I said, one male. Three females. All right. How many? How many males, Jen? One male. Two males. Very good. All right. <laughs> Wrong. Um. May I ask? I, I'm gonna ask a question. You might not be ready to answer it, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Were these people, the three women and one male, under the influence of anything other than just love and flowers? <laughs> like any substances? I'm not talking about free love. No. Um, they weren't no they're walking towards the front door and all of a sudden they see headlights coming down the drive now these headlights are from inside the residence so they're actually you know the car's got to stop the gate's got to open but they're at a point where it's deer in the headlights they see these headlights too late they're still climbing over the fence they are seconds away from getting spotted there's really nowhere to hide even though they were all wearing dark clothing 
Are they playing? Uh, would they then play a game of freeze tag and just like be like, <gasps> this car started down this private driveway, but it was too late. Tex, uh, who said Tex Watson? Who said that? Uh, Martin. He said once I heard Tex Watson, I knew it. We didn't we just didn't go to Tex, Tex Arcana? We just said, said Tex. I said Tex. Yeah. There's a lot of people named Tex. We did just go to Tex Arcana, the baby case. <clears throat> that's right. Interesting that we are now talking about Tex. Tex again. is like a that's like cool name. Yeah, yeah. Big Tex. Tex Watson walks over to the car, and the male is driving this car. Is doesn't know what to expect. Little did he know that it was too late for this guy. Uh-oh. The car stops in the front gate. Tex pulls out his pistol and he puts it to the man's head. And this man starts pleading for his life. Now, he just he just at the front door said goodnight to the, the people that were in the house. And he is on his merry way. Now he's got a pistol pressed against his forehead. He's pleading for his life. Just like everyone else in this case. Pleading. Please don't kill me. Like I And they all say the same thing. I, I won't tell anyone. I won't call the police. Please don't kill me. But Tex Watson has another plan for this guy. Mm. So, so I'm just going to talk about the book we're reading right quick. Since you guys already kind of know what it is. It's called The Garbage People. This book is really rare from what I found, and it doesn't have a Kindle version or whatever. And you can't, I mean, you could buy it, but it's, you know, it's really hard to find. So I think I'm doing this case justice because I don't think anyone's used this book. I'm pretty sure they haven't used this book. They all use that same book, which is probably an excellent book by, uh, fuck, what's that guy's name? Oh, we read other ones of his book. He's a famous true crime author. I can't remember. But that's probably the book most people are using. So this man in this car is pleading now for his life. This guy, Tex Watson, puts his firearm right up to this man's forehead. And this is from the book. Susan also heard him say, please don't hurt me. I won't say anything. Then she said, I heard a gunshot and I heard another gunshot and another one and another one. Four gunshots. Tex came back to us and told us to come on. I saw him go to the car. He reached inside, turned off the lights and then proceeded to push the car where it stopped. So how many gunshots was that? Four. Four gunshots. And this would be the first one deceased of the night. So you see him there. Mm. So that's his body. That's the first one. Tex Watson turns the car off and is pushed over to the side. And then they start walking up this driveway. They walk along the side of the home. They walk past the garage. Tex is basically looking for a way in. There's a window that's pretty close to the front door and he opens it. It's unlocked and he crawls in. Now, as we're talking about in the next episode, Tex, which isn't the main actor of the story, is a pretty large guy, pretty large male. And he, he has a, uh, you know, he played all types of sports in high school. He is a burly dude. His father is a sheriff. I mean, he's just a big dude. So this guy crawls in the house. He goes over to the front door, unlocks the front door, and now the other females can come in. At this point, you have Tex, the, the one male, inside the house, plus two other females. You have Katie and Susan. The other female making the third is going to stay outside as a lookout. Her name is Linda. We're going to talk about her in a little bit. All the women are not sure about this operation, but she's the one that is really just skittish. So they leave her outside because they don't think she can handle what's going to happen. They start walking up to the in the dining room and there's a couch. There was a man on the couch and he was he was sleeping at one point, but he hears he hears some rustling behind him. So he kind of stretches like that. He's on the couch and he doesn't see any faces, but he stretches his arms and he says, what time is it? That's what he says. 
Now, I think he's actually waiting for some of his friends to come by. Like I said earlier, this house is a... There's all kinds of celebrities that come in and out of this house all the time. So keep that in mind. If you're in this house and you see someone you don't know, it's probably just a celebrity or someone who is a family member or something. You definitely wouldn't think anything nefarious. So a lot of people are in and out of here. Yeah. Immediately, Tex pulls his gun and points it at this man and says, quote, don't move or you're dead. Mm. And then this man says, well, who are you? The man said something like, well, who are you and what are you doing here? Tex said, I'm the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's business. Where's your money? Mm. If he's the devil and he's there to do the devil's business, wouldn't he just be doing his own business? Which is like my go-to line, you know. Where's your money? I'm the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's business. Oh, that line. <laughs> Again. Like- <laughs> Where's the money? <laughs> what the fuck? He yeah. says that when he's in line at the checkout. Where is the money? Where is my money? I, it's in Stella's butthole. Is this not for free? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wait, you want me to pay for this? <laughs> Are people still watching this or not? All right. Yeah. Now, this man complies. And in the home, there's other people too, but they don't actually hear this man being confronted by text. Like, it's it's kind of quiet. It's like, give me your money type of thing, you know? Like, shut up. Shut the fuck up. Do what you're told. Susan starts walking down the hall. She's, she's going to case the joint. Who else is here? Because they don't really have the information. They don't know who the hell's in there. There could be a thousand people in the house. They don't know. Do they know whose house it is or they just showed up at the house? They do know who house it is. I believe the house owner at the time was a guy named Melcher. I can't remember his first name. It's like Tony or something. But they have been to the house before. They have conducted business there at one point. The person that actually is telling them to go do this operation has stayed in the house for a long time, stuff like that. It's been in and out for quite a while. But so Susan walks down the hall. She looks to the right. The spare bedroom or one of the bedrooms is open. And there's a woman, a a younger woman, very pretty. She is sitting down and she has these glasses on and she's reading a book. She may have a glass of wine. I'm not sure, but she's just reading a novel. Susan says the following, quote, she looked at me and smiled and I looked at her and smiled. So that can kind of tell you what's going on in Susan's head. Mm. In this story specifically, I want to map out what happens because it's very chaotic in the next few scenes. We're going to map out this whole story based on what the females are going through what's in their mind the the actual assailants the female assailants like what what's it like to take a life to sap someone you're going to hear it from their actual testimony she smiled back and then she turned away and kept reading her book in the next room over there was another bed there was a man sitting up but facing away from susan when she looked in and he was talking. She kind of peeked over so he she can see over his shoulder. And there was a, a, a another lady. She was laying on the bed. And she had a, a very unusual position the way she was laying. It took her a minute to figure out why she was laying like she was. Her hand was kind of on her belly. It's because this woman was pregnant. Very pregnant. This woman was eight months pregnant. And when Susan first saw them, she would say the following. Wow. They sure are beautiful people. The beautiful people. The beautiful people. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) That's what it's from. (laughs) Here's a trivia question for you. What band had recorded an entire album in this home? The Beach Boys. No. I mean, no, after the the murders. (laughs) 
I mean, I may- don't know, but that was a <laughs> that was a good definitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I meant after the murders. <laughs> Point to Jen though, because no, that's no so point. Counts. No, she didn't get point. Nickelback shrimps. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> yeah. Um, You're not gonna guess it. Y'all aren't. It would cool have enough. had to be d- before 1993. Y'all aren't cool it was enough torn to even down, listen- or no. <laughs> was it before it was torn down? Y'all are not cool enough to listen to this type of music. Okay, so it was some like heavy metal band. All right, she was laying on her side. Was it Guar? Yes, it was Guar. Very good, Jen. She was laying on her side, and this woman was pregnant. She was very pregnant, eight months pregnant. She was about to pop. Wow, they sure are beautiful people. Uh, Sable says the Beatles. Bree says Nirvana. No. The band's name is something people would like to insert inside their penises. Wait. Inside their penises? <laughs> it's like insert in their, their penises inside, you mean? <laughs> it's nine inch nails. <laughs> That's the <laughs> Oh, Martin got it actually. All right, Martin, I'll, I'll give you a point. He got it because I said he likes to insert that in his penis. <laughs> Instant clue. Tex told me that to tie up. As Martin pulls out the nail. Stop. Isn't Nine Inch Nails just one guy? Yeah, Trent Reznor. It's like Smashing Pumpkins is one guy. What's that guy's name? Billy Corgan. Billy Idol. Very good. Corgan. <laughs> Tex told, Tex told me to tie up the man on the couch, so I took the rope. This was the rope that was in the car and very loosely tied the man's hands. I had put his hands together in a crisscross fashion and his wrists. I've never been very good at tying knots, and I wrapped the rope around his hands a couple of times, and I was shaking, and everything was happening so fast that I did a very poor job of tying him up. I stood back, and Tex instructed me to go back and get the other people. So Susan, who just read that, walks back to the woman's room who's reading the book. She pulls a knife up, and she says... Do what I say. Don't ask questions. Just just do it. So she goes to the other room and the pregnant lady and the man, they're already standing up like what's going on. They were also herded into the same area. Now, everyone is in the, the living room area by the fireplace. So at this point, you have the dead person outside, which is in the car. It's no longer a threat. You have the guy on the couch. You have the the woman who was reading. So that's three. Then you have the man and the pregnant woman. So that makes five. They're all in shock. They don't know what's going on. Tex Watson is pointing his gun at people and telling people to, to just shut up and do what they tell them to do. I want to say this is a very chaotic scene because all they have is one pistol and he's already fired most of his shots. There are other men in the house They could possibly get overpowered here. This is a risk that they're taking doing this. And as you're going to see, this gets very chaotic. All right. The male later identified as Jay Sebring. He was the one that was talking to the pregnant woman in that room. He asked what was going on. And then Tex told him to shut up and lay down by the fireplace. Can't you see that she's pregnant? And he's pointing at the the pregnant lady because Tex is throwing her down on the, the ground as well. And she is she is pregnant, really pregnant. He then demands the money, any money, give me your money, give me your money. The female that was reading the book, does anyone want to take a guess who that was? She was later identified as Abigail. Any takers? The best part of waking up. That's Maxwell, Jen. Mm-mm, no, it's not. The it's best Fold- part of waking up is Maxwell in House your in your cup. It's Folgers. Folgers. No, it's not. She correct in her jingle. You know what the Maxwell House slogan is? What? Maxwell House, we are the coffee of Waffle House. <laughs> <laughs> Drink us when you're fucking wasted and we'll get you home. 
be a jingle. Good. Yeah. Perhaps needs improvement. <laughs> the female Abigail Folger, the daughter of the coffee Folger founder, looks in her purse, pulls out $75. This is all I got. This Take it. This is all I got. I went to the bank yesterday. What about credit cards? I got credit cards. Do you want? At this point, all of them are pleading. Take this. Take this money. No one's going to tell anyone. You're not going to get in trouble. Just leave. Take whatever you want and leave. At this point, we have a pregnant woman here. And this is very stressful. Just take whatever. The man that was on the couch when they first walked in, that Susan was supposed to tie up, and she did an actual terrible job tying people up, including this guy. His, do you want to take a guess who this is? I can't pronounce his first name. Wiokik. He's a famous Polish writer. Frakowski is his last name. Anyway, he was sleeping on the couch. Tex orders him to stand up and then orders Susan to go and retie those bindings. Mm. So here's where we're at so far. I told you about the home, about the four people, the male, the three females. They walk up. They shoot the guy that's coming down in the car. Now, two of the females, one male, are in the house. They are the assailants. They meet the Folgers' daughter, Abby of Folgers. They meet a famous Polish writer who is on the couch. And they meet a, a, a man, another actor, Jay Sebring, and... A, a female who is eight months pregnant, and they heard all those people inside the the living room. That's where we're at right now, okay. with the exception of one other female outside, Linda. So you guys understand everyone's on the same page. Now that everyone's in place, they can start doing what they were sent to do. Tex takes his buck knife and begins stabbing Jace Sebring in the back. Don't know how many times, but 10, 20 at least. This is Jay Sebring right here. This is the actor. Mm. So what she's reading is the actual words from multiple interviews, which I think this author did privately with them. So I think this is going to be a fresh take. I'm not sure. The people got down on the floor, Susan says, and they lied down and they were crying and they were saying, please don't hurt me. Each one of them kept saying, please don't hurt me. We won't hurt you. We won't call the police. Please don't hurt me. We won't call the police. At this point, Jay Sebring is still alive, but just barely. Tex takes a rope from his duffel bag and ties it around his neck. That same rope is then looped around Abigail Folger's neck and then finally tied around the pregnant woman known as Sharon Tate. That is the, the famous actor that everyone knows the story by. What you're looking at now is where the rope was tied. The rope was thrown over the banister there and tied around their necks. This was to make sure that when Tex pulls the rope, all three that were tied up would have to stand up because they were, you know, oh. it, it was tied over that banister. So they were forced to stand up. I have to interrupt real quick. It's not related, but I have to interrupt before I forget. Your Cthulhu shirt. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Um, did you know that HP Lovecraft is from Providence, Rhode Island? <laughs> Did do you know who that is, or did you have to ask Nicole what his name was? <laughs> Our may, mics may have picked that up. So. Hey, I knew that's who it was. Hey, what's that guy's name? That's uh, so I can look smart. <laughs> I just forgot his name, but I knew that fun fact, and I was. You only knew that Edgar Allan Poe had been in Charleston last week. Yeah, I know. I knew it since the night that I hurt my foot because I. Was heard on the ghost tour. I can't help you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, it was good. It's good. I, but oh I, gosh. I was watching. Something but you gonna pose later? Don't fold that book like that. Shit's expensive, yo. Sorry. Okay. Stop. I've never been there. Don't, don't crack that binding, please. I, I like tried my best not to crack it. And you look at you like, oh, oh my. God. Then you read. No, it. you read, read it. it. Just don't crack the no. binding. No, he gonna get even more mad at you. Get your 
fingers off that. <laughs> you need to treat me with respect. <laughs> Put some respect on my name. Tex proceeded to tie a rope around Sebring's neck and then to Sharon Tate's neck, then to Abigail Folger's neck, and threw the rope. He threw it over a high beam, which he pulled, which made Sharon and Abigail stand up so that they wouldn't choke to death. And then, I forget who said it, but one of the victims said, What are you going to do to us? Tex said, You're all going to die. And at that time, they began to plead for their lives. Fryowski and Sharon and Abigail Sebring was dying on the floor. Mm. He says, You're all going to die. That right there is really important to the mindset that these people are in. To say that automatically brings everything up to a new level of chaos. Now they they know they're going to die, so they're going to do everything they can to escape. How he said it, you're going to die. It was so matter of fact, like, yeah, of course you're going to die. Like that, that's what we're here for. You know what I'm saying? We are here for murder, just like on this podcast. Yes. Mm. So Fadowski, he is the Polish writer. Text ordered Susan to go kill him. Now, Susan, the one that has written all this these, this testimony Nicole's read, reading has never killed anyone, and all she has is the knife, but she is going to obey her master. She walks over to this man, and she didn't know at the time that he actually got out of his bindings that were behind his back, and he is now free. But he's going to wait to the perfect opportunity, and that opportunity comes when Susan lifts up the knife and then hesitates for several seconds because this is her first murder she's never killed anyone yeah she believes in her mind that god and the devil is just one thing and murder and love is one thing and basically she's all fucked up in her head but still actually pushing down the knife into someone's body no matter what your philosophy is is giving her a lot of anxiety at this point so she hesitates and at that moment Fedowski starts the ball moving with actually fighting back. This is going to give everyone else the courage to do the same thing. He jumps up. She didn't realize that he had broken his bindings and she has the knife high in the air and she's about to come down. He jumps up and he starts wrestling with this knife. He is going to get away. He's going to survive. And the thing he does is he takes that hair, that beautiful, long, not washed in two years, hippie hair that has been grown out. He takes it and he starts yanking. At the same time, he's wrestling for this knife. Now, Susan, the one who has written all this testimony, is screaming, screaming. Ah! She doesn't know what to do because at this point she is going to die. She's the one that's getting hurt. Her hair is being pulled out of her scalp. She calls Tex, Tex, help, help, help. But Tex has his own things to worry about because Fedowski getting up and in the courage of fighting back has has influenced the other ones to do the same. Now he's got Jay Sebring, who he has stabbed multiple times, but he's not dead. He's still got the adrenaline to fight. And plus the the Sharon Tate and uh, the other female, Abigail, they're all trying to escape. Now, I told you there was one other female, Katie. She is in there. And I think if Katie wasn't there, I think they may have been overpowered. But she was there as well. Susan, who is now getting wrestled to death by this Polish writer, looks over at Katie and Katie's hair is also getting pulled by Abigail. Abigail is also struggling for the knife that she has. So it is pure chaos at this point. Everyone's screaming for text. All the assailants are screaming for Texas help, 
but he has his own problems. He's trying to get everything under control. It's very chaotic at this point. A lot of screaming. Badowski grabs Susan by the waist. He's behind her. He's got her in this bear hug. She still has a knife somehow, and she just closes her eyes, and she's shaking her head, and she just starts swinging a knife behind her, barely missing her own thighs. Left, right, left, right, just behind her. Whoever's behind her, she's going to make sh damn sure that she hits. And she remembers hitting at least four to five times something. And she knew that she was nowhere near the wall or anything, and there was someone behind her. So she knew that she had hit somebody with this knife, which was Fedowski. Um, I'm just going just gonna <sighs> to pause this just for a hot second. Um, Natasha has started contractions. <gasps> oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> shit. No fucking way. She is about to... Get to the hospital. <laughs> is she Dude. naming her baby after us? Keep us on. Can we? Should we like FaceTime? Like we're here to be in the room. Take a deep breath. Like the breathe like this. <laughs> Just ignore him. Jumping jacks. Jumping jacks, Spicy Natasha. Food. Yes, dude. Put it on live stream. <laughs> if you FaceTime in with us, I'll put you on live stream. Crowning and everything. Oh, <laughs> It'll be the crowning achievement of her podcast. <laughs> Literally. She was just saying how much she missed caffeinated coffee and mm. real sushi. Mm -hmm. So you are so close now, girl. Yes. So she started the contraction? Yeah, yes, she's, no. she said uh, she is. When? Like when I was like, like, well, I was like, uh, 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 whilst, oh, shit. Whilst talking, she said, so chances are I'm going to the hospital when my husband comes home. I'm getting my bags packed slowly. Wow. What? Wow, I feel like it's been such a long time. I know. I We've been here since yeah, the beginning. You've been pregnant for like seven years. <laughs> she probably feels that way too. I think we found too. out when she was pregnant. Yeah. You know, as a member. So this is great. Or she had just gotten pregnant when she joined yeah. or something. So this is... This is super. She got exciting. pregnant while listening to our podcast episode. My gosh, we're gonna just, we're gonna be like, <laughs> you know, the happy happy people that usually wait in the room. Like, should we go get celebratory cigars for Natasha? And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and for the baby, like a little yeah, obviously, <laughs> a little candy cigar. That's so so great, man. Oh my god. I mean, if if you want to <clears throat> name the baby taco Jennifer, or it'll be our first actual baby taco. Yay! <laughs> no, we have other <laughs> other supporters who have kids. Yeah, I know, but this would be like, yeah, uh, yeah, right. Well, I, I don't think we have ever had someone ha start having their contractions while listening to us on the live oh, stream before. Yeah. That is sure. definitely a first. Jen has had like really bad gas, but not contractions. I guess. I mean, sometimes it feels, you know. Fedowski runs to the front door. He is, quote, screaming bloody murder. He gets past the other girl, Katie, who was at that point getting her own ass kicked. The female outside, Linda, she knows something's going on. She can hear the screaming in the house. She starts hearing her name. Linda, Linda, get this guy. Fedowski, he's running out. Now it's Linda. She has to do something. She's scared out of her mind. Help, get this guy, get this guy, help us. During it all, Linda heard a man scream. Then just screams. I don't have any words to describe how a scream is. I never heard it before. It was unbelievably, terribly horrible. That's the scream of someone getting stabbed multiple times and then, you know. Expiring. Expiring. Well, not expiring yet, but Badowski gets to the door and then Linda, offering no help at all, is relieved when Tex comes up behind him with his pistol in his hand and instead of shooting the man, he 
raises the butt of the pistol up so high, and this guy is a big, burly dude, and brings it down with so much force on the back of this man's skull, with so much force that the pistol, the pistol, breaks into three pieces. Dang. That's that's a lot. I mean, the handle is wooden, but shatters. Three pieces. Done. It's crazy. That's a lot of force. This is the doorway where he bled out. He didn't die here, but he started to bleed out here. You can see mm. the blood there, and you can see more of the blood here. Mm. A lot of blood Ooh. right there. Yeah. As soon as he gets to the doorway, Tex clobbers him with that hammer. Now, Fedowski, he collapses in the bushes. This is his body. He eventually dies in the bushes. This is his body in the bushes right here. That's him. Mm. Look how bloody he is. Just completely bloody. Look, he's got his fist balled up. Doesn't believe it. Just happened so fast. But he suffered a lot of stab wounds. How many? You can count them yourself. Oh. Whoa. That's how many stab wounds he has. One, two. Holy bejesus. And this is just the left side of his body. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. All over the place. A ton. Stabbed with a dull hunter's knife. So much that it wouldn't even kill him. That's intense pain right there. Linda, who sees Fedowski as he's running out before he runs and dies right there on the front lawn. Linda, the girl outside, all freaking out. Oh, shadow. Quote, we looked into each other's eyes. And then Linda said, oh, God, I'm so sorry. And then he dies. That's the last words he's heard. Susan then sees Katie struggling with Abigail Folgers. Tex runs over to help, and this is what she says. Susan says, Tex went over to help Katie, and I saw Katie be released from Abigail's grip. Then I saw Tex stab Abigail, and just before he stabbed her, maybe an instant before he stabbed her, she looked at him and let her arms go and looked at all of us and said, I give up. Take me. Mm. When I read that, I just stopped. She knows that that's it for her. She says, I give up. Take me. Yeah, that's, that's rough. The, yeah, that's really rough. But luckily, she's a fighter. She's She was determined not to die right there in the home. This is from Susan. Quote, Tex stabbed her again and again, and she gripped the middle section of her body and fell to the floor. But she was still not dead. She was a real fighter. She started crawling to the back door. And then Susan sees her at the back door. She gets up. Abigail gets up. She's got the second wind and she just starts running, screaming for her life. Now, they're up in the Hollywood Hills. You saw the the state. Yeah. You got to scream pretty effing hard to be heard. That's a lot of land. You're on top of the hill screaming over everyone else's houses. You know, no one heard a fudging thing. Mm. She's still not dead. Katie runs after her. Now, Katie is also crying. These are just, these women have never killed anyone. They're just obeying their master. She's crying hysterically. She has a knife above her head. And Katie, the assailant, says, quote, oh, God, please make it stop. The, the one, the killer says, please make it stop. This is stressful for them just as it is the, the people in the house. But who is she talking to? The universe. God. Oh, God, please make it stop. Like the, the chaos. Please make this chaos stop. So She's like, talking to anyone. But like, why didn't she just stop then? That's not what her master would want her to do. I don't know. We'll talk about that later. She runs over to Abigail Folgers. Quote, I had the knife in my hands. And I went through the door and I was chasing her on the grass and we started fighting and I stabbed her over and over and I just kept stabbing her. Then I ran outside and Katie was just getting up from in front of the woman on the grass. They had gone out the front door, Susan said. 
and I saw Abigail on the lawn. I just saw her nightgown, a see-through nightgown, and I saw blood on it. And I saw a text go over and stab her three or four, I don't know how how many times. There she is right there. There she is right there. All the blood, all the gore. Text goes over there and like a fucking crazed maniac just uh, 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 like he did to everyone else right before they left. Just making sure. This is a better photo of it right here. Oh. There she is dead. Look at all that blood. So she was in all white. Beautiful white nightgown. Now, this is the one that no one talks to. And yeah, she's from a, a wealthy family, obviously, Abigail Folgers. But she is uh, often forgotten in this story. This is her right here, before and after, her face. Look at that cut. That's deep. And she's dead there. But wow. but the rage here is is unreal. Like, this was a statement. Like, they were going to make a statement at this for this. And finally, this is... This is Abigail's body. This is the stab wounds from her body. I can't help but notice there, like her, the both both hers and the other uh, victim whose picture we saw. They're kind of look circular in in nature, as opposed to like I would expect kind of stab wounds to just be like. No, hmm. because you when you stab, like the person's moving around too, so it kind of like wiggles. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? You stab someone and you're kind of moving around. It's not just. Because those are those are wounds, wiggle, yeah. wiggle okay, that wounds. Makes more sense yeah, yeah. Now. That's why they're all uneven. Plus, the knife was pretty dull. I mean, a lot of those don't even look like they're really getting in there. This is where I want to stop this episode. Obviously, Sharon Tate is the next one to die, but I want to stop it here because number one, it's going on over an hour, and number two, I think it's good to take a break and kind of like you know, because there's a lot of chaos a lot of killing at this point so we'll be back with the second episode but the next episode guys is for supporters only so supremos this is one of the perks of being a supremo a supporter for for us if you're not a supporter it's completely fine that episode will be out wednesday and this this episode will be out monday the next one will be out wednesday and then obviously i'm just gonna you guys know this is the charlie manson episode mm-hmm. i mean everyone knows that so this will be this will be four or five episodes because this episode and the next one we're not even mentioning Charlie Manson, but yet he's the one that I did this story on. He's the the one, one of the most craziest cases I've ever seen. Someone to have so much power and control Without. over the this family to just they'll just go like they're programmed. One of the quotes in there of many that we're going to be going over talks about Manson how he controlled people. It's like he he installed this little computer in their head. And Manson was just moving the controls. They they would do anything for him. They would kill for him. They would die for him. They they would literally do anything, mm. anything he said. And and it got to the point where he didn't have to say it. They just knew they were they were a family. And when you were in a family, you just know what the the father, which he was, he what the father wants. And that's the story. Obviously, Tex being the right hand man. But he's just carrying out Manson's bidding. Manson actually never killed anybody, as you guys probably know. After reading the story, I mean, dude, definitely deserved to be locked up, obviously. But we're going to, that's going to be a couple more episodes, but we're going to get into it. It's crazy. And there's more murders, too. There's not just the Sharon Tate murders. Every episode, I'm going to do a different murder. This, obviously, is just the big ones. But there are other ones, too. So we're going to get all of them out the way, and then we're going to go through his background. And I got to mapped out pretty good for you guys so but this is just about the sharon tate house stuff like that patreon.com slash talk murder if not don't worry like i said this will be out on wednesday in the morning just subscribe to 
in the channel. And that's all I got. I hope you guys really enjoyed this. But until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people.